uh, in in the Bible. Actually, I didn't want 130. What what was I looking for? I'm sorry. 139 was what I was looking for. Uh, if you don't know that this is a Christmas carol, you're going to learn some things tonight. Amen. Uh, when I see the blood, 139. Let's sing it out. Christ our Redeemer died on the cross, died for the sinner, paid all his due. Sprinkle your soul with the blood of the Lamb, and I will pass, will pass over you. When I see the blood, when I see the blood, when I see the blood, I will pass, I will pass over you. Chiefest of sinners, Jesus will save all he has promised that he will do. Wash in the fountain, open for sin, and I will pass, will pass over you. When I see the blood, when I see the blood, when I see the blood, I will pass, I will pass over you. Judgment is coming, all will be there, each one receiving justly his due. Hide in the saving, sin-cleansing blood, and I will pass you. When I see the blood, when I see the blood, when I see the blood, I will pass, I will pass over you on that last. Oh, great compassion, oh, boundless love, oh, loving kindness, faithful and true. Find peace and shelter under the blood. I will pass, will pass over you when I see the blood, when I see the blood. When I see the blood, I will pass, I will pass over you. And all God's people said, you may be seated. And uh, did everybody get an outline that wants one? We can follow along. If not, um, if we ran out. Uh, we can print some more. The master's on the copy machine there in the office. Just uh, hit the button and let her go. Um, but uh, we're going to start in Isaiah chapter 7. And we're just going to go through some of the prophecies. These are specific prophecies, prophecies that deal directly with the birth of Jesus Christ. And, and I hope that we're going to notice a few things uh, uh, through here, um, I'm trying to. I heard an advertisement last night for the um, what was her night or two ago for the cryptic Torah. Um, uh, this Jewish rabbi and uh, some other learned uh, Hebrew scholar has gone through the Jewish Torah, which is the first five books of your Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And uh, they found all these hidden codes in the Torah. 
And uh, if you want to know the real meaning of those hidden codes, it's called dollar signs in the man uh, account who's written a book. Amen. Um, you have to be careful with that stuff. God put some things, and we're going to look at some cryptic things in the Bible. In fact, I dare you, uh, without specific direction from God's Word, to ever be able to figure this thing out on your own. One of the things about prophecy in the Bible is you and I best understand prophecy after it's happened. Isn't that terrible? I mean, there are many people who make a living, and some of you may remember this, uh, talking about, uh, I mean, there's still a group that's trying to resurrect Jack Kennedy and make him the Antichrist. Um, and now if they ever figure out a way to get that brain of his out of a jar at the FBI headquarters in, um, in Manhattan, they might get the job done, but uh, uh, I don't think so. I mean, there's actually people who are writing books on how the JFK is going to come back, and you've seen the things, you know, he's in a wheelchair on Onassis Island and all this goofy, crazy stuff out there. Um, I mean... Some of you remember, I know Brother Lucas will, hearing preachers preach that the hammer and sickle's going to fly over uh, the White House, and that's what the Bible says, and all of these things, and preachers who have set dates when Jesus will come back to earth. And you know what the most wonderful thing is? Every one of them has been wrong. Amen? I mean, they've just been plain Wrong. If you need an outline, Brother Teddy just ran off some more and he'll get you some. Thank you, Ted, for doing that for us. And uh, we're going to start in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. The, the verse is printed here in, in your outline. Now, uh, most of us are somewhat familiar with uh, many of these, and, and uh, we, we, uh, we pride ourselves. We we commend ourselves as actually a better way to say it on the fact that we never take Scripture out of context. We always keep it in its biblical context and we uh, uh, make sure that we study this from all of this way. Now, how many of you know the story that is really happening in Isaiah chapter 7 before we start here? Okay, I don't see a multitude of hands going up. So let's, let's get uh, a little bit of time here, and, and we're going to just read a few verses. You'll need to read the whole chapter to get the whole thing here. But verse 1 of Isaiah chapter 7, it says, And it came to pass in the days of Ahaz, the son of Jotham, the son of Uzziah, king of Judah, that Rezin, king of Syria, and Pekah, son of Remaliah, king of, of Israel went up toward Jerusalem to war against it, but could not prevail. And it was told the house of David, saying, Syria is confederate with Ephraim, and his heart was moved in the heart of his people as the trees of wood are moved in the wind, with the wind. Now, here's the story. This is what was happening. You have this man named Ahaz. You study the Bible, Ahaz was not that wonderful a guy. He was not one of the great godly kings of Judah. Uh, he wasn't the worst, but he certainly wasn't the best. And as he is a king, he gets word 
that Ephraim, the northern ten tribes of Israel, and Syria have become confederates. They've worked together, and they're coming down to destroy Jerusalem. That'd make you feel real good, wouldn't it? it? It says, when the people heard that, it says their hearts were moved like the trees in the wind. Uh, if you're sitting there swaying back and forth in the wind under the power of your own emotion, uh, you know, that's rule number one in the Marine Corps handbook of being able to fight on the battlefield, right? Uh, uh-uh, doesn't work that way. Uh, they were in trouble because they were scared to death. That's, that's what was going on. And so verse 3, Then said the Lord unto Isaiah, Go forth now to meet Ahaz, thou and Shear Jashub thy son, at the end of the conduit of the upper pole in the highway by the fuller's fill, and say unto them, Take heed and be quiet. That's a nice way of saying, Calm down and shut up. Uh, he just says, Take heed and be quiet, fear not, neither be faint-hearted, for the two tails of these smoking firebrands, for the fierce anger of resin with Syria and that of the son of Remaliah, because Syria, Ephraim, and the son of Remaliah have taken evil counsel against thee, saying, Let us go up to Judah and vex it, and let us make a breach therein for us, and set a king in the midst of it, even the son of Tabiel. Thus saith the Lord God, It shall not stand, neither shall it come to pass. And, uh, oh, let's just read. For the head of Samaria is Damascus, and the head of Damascus is resin, and within three score and five years shall Ephraim be broken, that it is not a people. And the head of Ephraim is Samaria, and the head of Samaria is Remaliah's son. If ye will not believe, surely ye shall not be established. Moreover, the Lord spake again unto Ahaz, saying, Ask thee a sign of the Lord thy God. Ask it either in the depth or in the height above. Now, here's what God's saying through the prophet. He comes down, he says, You got to calm down, man. I got a message from God. These people are not going to get accomplished what they're trying to get accomplished. If you only believe in what I am telling you from the Lord, you're going to be established and you're going to continue in your kingdom. And then he comes back and says, listen, if you've got a problem believing the Lord, you ask him a sign. You ask anything you want, and God will give you a sign. Now, be careful of that today. If you'll remember, Jesus' answer to the scribes and Pharisees in his day was what? A wicked an adulterous generation seeketh the sign, isn't it? But Ahaz did not have what you and I have today. We have God's sign. Right here is the sign that God has given us. It's this book called the Bible. We need to go no further than what's already been written down. But Ahaz said, I will not ask, neither will I tempt the Lord. Ahaz says, even though I really don't believe, I'm going to believe anyway. I'm not going to ask a sign. He was, he was being what we would call uh, falsely spiritual, pseudo-spiritual. He was lying. 
He really wanted one, but he wasn't going to ask God for one because he really didn't want to trust in God. He wanted to trust in Ahaz. Now, and, and I say that because look at Isaiah's answer in verse 13. And he said, Hear ye now, O house of David, it is a small thing for you to weary men, but will ye weary my God also? Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. Butter and honey shall he eat, that he may know to refuse evil and choose the good. For before the child shall know to refuse the evil and choose the good, the land that thou horst shall be forsaken of both her kings. Now, how many of you would guess that Isaiah chapter 7 and verse 14 is a messianic prophecy? Because the Bible says so, right? But if you didn't have Matthew chapter 1 telling you that this was a prophecy concerning the Messiah, my question is, would you be able to pick it out in the story of Ahaz rejecting the sign that the God wanted to give him to prove his word? be pretty tough, wouldn't it? And so what we're doing here is, is the, let's, let's just flip over to Matthew chapter 1 and let's read what the Bible says. Verse, oh, let's start in verse 19. Let's get the context here. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. There's the prophecy listed. It is says this prophecy is going to be fulfilled in the life of this person named Mary. And Joseph was told, and the writer of Matthew is very careful. He says, Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife, and knew her not, till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. Now, maybe some Sunday morning we'll spend a sermon on Joseph. He, he is one of the most overlooked men of faith in the Scriptures. I mean, when's the last time you heard somebody preach a whole sermon on Joseph and what he did? Well, if you were here last Christmas season, we did hear. Uh, some of you may or may not remember that, but... We, we spent some time on the life of Joseph because he is an incredible man. God appeared to him and he said, your wife is going to have a baby, but that baby is, is not 
the result of a union between another man and the woman that is to be your wife, that baby is God in the flesh. God is using Mary to bring this child, and it is the fulfillment of this prophecy in Isaiah that a virgin shall conceive and bring forth a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. I wonder what Joseph thought as he looked down into the face of that little baby. And according to Matthew, it says he, Joseph, called his name Jesus, Savior, Emmanuel, God with us. That was a prophecy specifically fulfilled with Jesus' birth. His name is going to mean God with us. The word Jesus means Savior. Amen? What was the message the disciples gave in the book of Acts? For there is none other name given under heaven, given among men, whereby what? We must be saved. Paul put it this way, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth, what? The Lord Jesus. We have the prophecy. And honestly, I'm just telling you my ability to go through and determine. I would have a hard time just picking that verse out of the context of what was going on with King Ahaz. But it's something that we need to write down when God wants us to know something that is hidden in the Scriptures. He's going to tell us. Amen? So don't waste your time with the Bible code. And I can't remember the name. It's something with the Talmud. It's the Talmud um, secrets or something like that. Uh, don't buy those books. Don't if, if you have the Da Vinci Code in your home, throw it away. It is... Uh, it is not worth reading. And uh, if you have any questions, we don't have time to go through that tonight, but I'll, I'll, I'll give you enough information that you'll, you'll want to throw it away. You'll want to burn it, but uh, don't do that and set off the fire alarm and bring the fire trucks and all that. Just get rid of that book. It, it is one of the most blasphemous pieces of trash that's ever been printed. It, it has no element of truth in it whatsoever. Turn to Isaiah chapter 9. Again, as we look at these, we find out that Jesus was to be born. Now, you have so many rabbinic and Jewish traditions about the way that Messiah was to come. They were expecting him to step into the temple and that all the leaders of the world would be summoned to the temple in Jerusalem where they would fall prostrate 
before the Messiah and he would rule the world. Now that's going to happen one day. But that's not why Jesus came the first time. And I, I remember hearing uh, a Jewish man speak on this subject. He said, it is not in our scriptures that the Messiah would come and suffer and then come again. Well, that's because you don't want to see it, my friend. It is in your scriptures. There is no way to reconcile all the prophecies that we're going through tonight with the prophecies in the book of Zechariah where he comes down and plants his foot on the Mount of Olives and the whole mountain on which Jerusalem is built splits right down the middle and all the armies of the earth are destroyed. I mean, those are prophecies and we're going to get to them. Those are the exciting ones. And of course, some nutcase wants to say, now, if we planted a nuclear device on the Mount of Olives, maybe it would split open just like the Bible says. So there's going to be nuclear war, right? Uh, come on. Uh, God does not need our meager little inventions to get his will done. Amen? If he chooses to use them, that's his business. But uh, I wouldn't be holding my breath because God doesn't really need us or anything we have. He's got it all on his own. Amen? He's powerful enough to speak and everything became. Uh, I, read, I was reading a little text about William Jennings Bryan. And uh, the writer said it would have been better if he'd have just died in 1915. And it talked about the disgrace of Mr. Bryan admitting in a court of law that he believed that Eve actually came from Adam's rib. And that God actually created the earth in six literal days. And the writer said, once he revealed to the world how shallow and foolish he was, it was just better that he passed off the scene. I'm, come on now. Let me tell you, there's a reason why Mr. Jennings believed those things. It's because this book said so, amen. And they're not shallow. And they're not foolish. I have a whole lot easier time believing this than I do that came from a monkey. I mean, come on. We don't have time to get into that tonight, but uh, it's just absolutely unbelievable here. We, we look at Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. It says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor. Look at this next one. The Mighty God. The next one is the Everlasting Father. Can that be referring to anybody but God? There can only be one everlasting Father, amen? The Prince of Peace. Of the increase of His government and peace, there shall be no end. And upon the throne of David and upon His kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. There's a lot of people who question 
the deity of Jesus Christ. They want to say that he was created. They want to make Mary the mother of God. They want to do all of these foolish things. If Jesus began at the manger in Bethlehem, he is not, nor could he ever be God. You cannot apply these titles, the everlasting Father, to someone who has a beginning. Because it's, it's, it's wrong. Everlasting means forever. And by the way, that, that word that's used there, everlasting, it, it doesn't say the everlasting Father from this day forward. It just says the everlasting. That word actually stretches both directions. And if you have any questions about that, the one before it says the mighty God. You, you cannot change. This is who He is. Look at Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. The angel was speaking to Mary. Verse 30, she's told that that she has found favor with God. Verse 31, And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He shall be great and shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. This is the angel now telling Mary what is going to happen. But the first phrase of that verse is the one I want us to concentrate on. For unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given. All of those things are going to happen. But this God is going to be born as a baby. Now, I, I don't know. I can't imagine that. It doesn't make sense to me. And in fact, uh, several years ago, I got an invitation to uh, debate a Muslim cleric on, on the issue of the deity of Christ. And uh, something told me that this wasn't quite all what it was set up to be. And so I said, well, you put it down in writing... I said, and I'll get back to you. Well, he never got back to me. I found out that there's actually a group of these Muslim, whatever they call them, imams, or they, that uh, try to lure someone into a hall under the pretense of having a debate, and it, every seat in the house is already taken up by members of the mosque. And then they begin to mock Christ with you sitting there, and there's absolutely nothing you can do if you try to answer. Every guy in the place shouts you down. Uh, sounds like fun, doesn't it? But one of the questions that they love to ask is, how in the world did Mary change God's diaper? And everybody claps. And that's so, they're, they're so fun. You know, they're so smart. Hey, the Bible says unto us a son is given. There's only one way you get a son, my friend. And that is by birth. We have the God of heaven who loves you and I so much 
that he condescended, he stepped down and wrapped himself in the flesh of a human body. It says, we, we've been over this verse, in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. You say, how in the world can you stuff all that into a little body? I don't know, but God did it, amen? I'm just dumb enough to believe what this book says. I read the last chapter. That makes me pretty smart. Amen? Not because I have anything special, but when you agree with the intellect that created the universe, hey, that makes you pretty smart, doesn't it? I can't do everything he does, but at least I can think like he does. Amen? It, well, he doesn't think he knows, but he, he lets us play along. Amen? He gives us a place to understand and he came down, and the Bible says that he was born. A virgin shall conceive, for unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. That was fulfilled in Bethlehem's manger nearly 2,000 years ago. You read Revelation chapter 1. Remember that? John said, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. He said, and I heard a voice, and I turned around to see, and he begins to describe the glorified Lord. One of these days, his kingdom is going to be physical right here on this earth. And it is going to be a kingdom of peace, not a war. The only way we keep peace on earth today is through a strong and usable military force. It's the only way you do it. Because you cannot change the hearts of men. But when he rules and reigns, he will change the hearts of men and it will be a kingdom of peace. Isaiah 53. Since we're in, still in the book of Isaiah... Isaiah 53, this whole chapter, Isaiah 53, deals with different things. But again, tonight, we just want to cover some things about the birth of Jesus. In verse 1, it says, Who hath believed our report, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall, what? Grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of a dry ground. He hath no form or comeliness, and when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. This is talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. He was so human in his appearance. The Pharisees in John chapter 10 said, We stone thee not for a good work, but for thou being a man makest thyself God. Paul tells us, Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Amen. But he took upon himself human flesh. And by the way, in the book of Matthew, chapter, 20, uh, chapter 2, in the last verse of that chapter, Matthew chapter 2, it says that uh, they were warned of God and they went and 
and, and uh, departed in the galley, verse 23, and he came and dwelt at a city called Nazareth, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophets, he shall be called a Nazarene. Now, this idea of a Nazarene has nothing to do with a Nazarite. Those are two completely separate things. The idea of being called a Nazarene was this humble, lowly uh, upbringing without a pedigree, without all of these trappings that normally would attend a king. Now, Jesus did have genealogy. He did have a pedigree that went back to the son of David. He, he was qualified to sit upon that throne. But there was nobody getting out birth records in Jesus' day and checking all those things. They were looking at him. And they said, if this, is, this can't be the Messiah. There's nothing about him that makes us want him. You see, that's what is coming with Antichrist. Is when he comes, the world's going to want him. They're going to look at him and say, that's what we've been looking for. He's the one that's going to solve all of our problems. And uh, he'll only work out about three-quarters of the world's population dead in less than seven years. Hey, if that's your problem solver, you can have him. I'll take the one that comes from the Scripture. Amen? I'll take Jesus because he's going to, he'll, he'll get it done right. But there is nothing about his birth. That's why he was born in a manger. Amen. He was not born in the palace. He was not born in the, in the home. He, he was born as the poorest of the poor. There is no one. I don't care where you come from. What, what uh, tribe you come from out in the jungle. Uh, you cannot be born any lower than Jesus was born. Amen. He was born that way so that we would understand his humility. And it was prophesied by the prophet Isaiah. Micah chapter 5. I think we can get through these. Micah chapter 5. Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah. And um, Micah chapter 5 and verse 2 says, But thou, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me that is to be ruler over Israel, whose goings forth have been from old, from everlasting. Now again, uh, this verse can be talking about no one but God. Uh, his going forth have been from old, from everlasting. Only God has that ability. Only God has that attribute. And yet he is to come out of the city of Bethlehem. And it's interesting that uh, the scribes and the Pharisees, when the wise men show up to Herod, and they begin asking him, where is he that is born king of the Jews? He says, hold on a minute, guys. And he goes and he calls the scribes and the Pharisees. These would be the very same men who would uh, spend their lives 30-some years later trying to get Jesus crucified. And he said, where's the Messiah to be born? Man, they, were, they had the answer that quick. 
They knew where he was going to be born. They, they gave the answer to Herod. And Herod then took that answer and fulfilled another prophecy, the last one that's on your list in Jeremiah 31:15, And again, another prophecy that if you read the whole context, you'd never be able to pick it out. Uh, I don't care what you were looking for. You would not find it except for the fact that God has revealed it in His Scripture that He was talking about Herod's murder of the babes in Bethlehem trying to snuff out the life of the Jewish Messiah. And uh, there's all the records say, well, there weren't that many babies. There were only, uh, there couldn't have been more than 20 babies in that town, two years and under. But stop and think about that for a minute. You're talking about an atrocity. He sends a group of soldiers into a town and every child two years old or under is executed. Cold blood. But Jesus was already on his way to Egypt to fulfill another prophecy in an even stranger place. How many of you know the story of the prophet Hosea? God told him to marry a harlot. And when she ran away from him, he was to go back and bring her back. He was a preacher, by the way. He was a prophet. And the people said, now, you're a prophet, Hosea. Why are you acting this way? And Hosea turned around and said, because this is the way you treat God. Just like this harlot wife of mine treats me. She's been impure. She's not being faithful to me. And that's the way you treat God. And yet, in that book, we have the prophecy, Out of Egypt have I called my son. And the writer of Matthew fills that right in and says that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Out of Egypt have I called my son. Even in the greatest iniquity, we still see God's mercy in working to redeem you and I. Amen? If God has anything hidden in Scripture and He wants you to know about it, I think we've given ample proof tonight that God will do everything that you need to know so you can know that it's there. Amen? And so, if you're looking for something hidden that you can't find, be forewarned. Maybe God doesn't want you to find it. Amen? Maybe it's just not that important. Uh, if we spent the time doing the things that we know the Bible says we ought to be doing, would we really have the time to be searching for those things that really aren't that important? I mean, we learn those things by looking at the way God reveals His prophecy to us in the Scripture. And these are, uh, by means, no means, this, is this every verse in the Bible that talks about the birth, but uh, this is the vast majority of those verses. Every one of them was fulfilled. Jesus was born in the city of Bethlehem. He was born of a virgin. He was the child that was given to, unto us. He, I mean, that is born. He was given unto us as a son. He grew up 
as a root out of the dry ground. There was nothing about him that, that would immediately draw us to him. That's why I hate all the Hollywood movies. Is because they always picture Jesus as something where everybody goes, Oh, look at him. And they all go running to him. That was not the Jesus of the Scriptures. What Jesus drew people to him with was his words and his love and his life. Not his appearance. What, what do we say when somebody has the perfect, uh, when a man, they say he's got the body of a Greek god. You ever heard that phrase used? That is blasphemous if you apply that to the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Because he's not a Greek god. And by the way, if you don't know that what those Greek gods did, don't take time to learn, okay? It's filthy. It's awful. It's degradant behavior. They were wicked. That's not Jesus. He was not out there. And even in the most sordid pro of all of the prophet, uh, prophetic stories, the prophet that married the harlot, do we have God sticking a prophecy in there concerning the birth of his son when Jesus would come? He does that stuff on purpose because he wants us to understand he's a little bigger than our sin. Amen? And His love is greater than anything that we've done. And He wants us to come back to Him. This is His birth. And yet, let's not leave out Jeremiah. There will always be the suffering of the innocence due to the wickedness of the wicked. If you fight against God, you're not hurting God. Herod was fighting against God. But who suffered? The parents of those innocent babes in the city of Bethlehem, didn't they? It's the way sin always works. You can think you can fight against God. Be my guest. You're not going to hurt him. You're not going to you're not going to hurt me by fighting against God and unless you think that killing me is going to hurt God. It's not going to bother him any. You're not going to affect him. What we need to do is we just need to serve God. Amen? And there's lots of neat things in the Scriptures. If you'll just spend some time there, God will reveal to some wonderful hidden things to you. Who would have guessed out of the prophecy to Ahaz that he was talking about his son? Who would have guessed that as Micah is prophesying about the sin of Israel and Judah that Jesus' birthplace was going to be named? God put those things in there. Let's serve him his way. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you this night. and Lord, we ask that you would teach us through your scriptures. And Lord, that you would strengthen us in our understanding of them. Lord, we would not be swayed. 
is by the foolishness of men trying to find secret codes in your scriptures. Lord, we would, I pray we would be content with what you have revealed to us. And Lord, that we would see your greatness and your love, your humility. All of this you have done to redeem us. Lord, as is written in your word, we pray that we will walk worthy of the vocation wherein you have called us, that of being a Christian, that of naming the name of Jesus Christ as our personal Savior. We pray you would work in our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. And before we finish that prayer, let's just keep our heads bowed and our eyes closed and just have Sharon play a hymn tonight.